The fact that Jesus is willing to heal us. He's willing to heal us if we would stop making excuses. That God is willing. He is able. He is wanting to. But we need to stop making excuses and just believe the Lord that he will do great and mighty things. Amen? And so this morning, if you guys have your Bibles, we're in John chapter uh, 5, starting at verse 16. Tim, if you could play that for us. And therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. But Jesus answered them, My father worketh hitherto, and I work. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him, because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his father, making himself equal with God. Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The Son can do nothing of himself but what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things that himself doeth. And he will show him greater works than these, that ye may marvel. For as the Father raiseth up the dead and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son, that all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son, honoreth not the Father which hath sent him. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word, and believeth on him that sent me, hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself, and hath given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. As we talked about last week, we talked about healing. And this week we're going to talk about two resurrections, that there are actually two resurrections that will take place. For some of us, we... You're scratching your head and you're wondering, you say, well, I thought there was only going to be one resurrection, and that's only for, for those that are going to heaven. But no, there's another one, and we're going to look at that this morning. Let's look at chapter, uh, chapter 5 at verse 16. It says, And therefore did the Jews persecute him and sought to slay him, and be, uh, because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. But Jesus answered them, My father, my father worketh hither too, and I work. Therefore, the, the Jews sought the more to kill him because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his father, making him equal with God. They sought to persecute him. They wanted to oppose him. They wanted to, to, to ruin his character. They wanted to ruin, destroy his popularity. At this time, Jesus began to get quite the offering he, or uh, quite the following. He got the, quite the following and and so the... Uh, so the Jews at this time tried to tell people that he was breaking God's law, that he was, that he was violating that, uh, that law. They sought to slay him. Because the law of Moses commanded that if a person made these claims, not only the fact that did he claim 
these things, the fact that he he broke the Sabbath, you know, in their minds that he broke the Sabbath and all of a sudden he, he claimed to be God, that that right there was enough to kill someone. And if they could find that these that these claims were true, they had every right, according to the Old Testament, to kill someone. But the thing, but the thing is, is that the claims that Jesus Christ made were true, and they're not only they were, they were only in the minds of the Jews. They said no, that Jesus did not meet the criteria. If you ever listen to a Jewish person looking for the Messiah, they will say that they are looking for one that has charisma, that's going to bring about world peace, that is going to bring about. It's going to be peace to everyone. That everyone's going to accept them. Every religion, everyone is going to come together. And if you read the Bible, do you know who that is? That is the Antichrist. That is the one that is going to bring about the end of the day, uh, end of days, the end of the world. And this is who the Jewish people are looking for. They are looking for one that is going to be a political leader, charismatic, one that's going to bring about quote-unquote, world peace. And it's only going to be a, a slight world peace. See, the, the peace that Jesus brings, he doesn't bring peace to the world. What he does is he brings peace to the believer's life. He brings, he brings peace to the believer's heart. That is who Jesus, that is how he brings peace. He brings peace here. How many of you know that we can have peace in the world, but there, if we don't have peace here, it means nothing. If we don't have peace in our life, if we don't have the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, then we have nothing. Jesus is going to uh, wants to bring about peace to our lives. Verse seventeen, it talks about, it talks about it says Jesus answered and said, "My Father works hitherto, and I work." Now, where Barnes put it this way, he says, "God has not ceased to work on the Sabbath. He makes the sun to rise." He rolls the stars. He causes the grass, the trees, the flowers to grow. He has not suspended his operations on the Sabbath. And the obligation to rest, quote unquote, on the Sabbath does not extend to him. He created the world in six days and ceased to work of creation. But he has not ceased to govern to govern it and to carry forward by by his providence his great plans on the Sabbath. If God was to cease to work on the Sabbath, the world will be thrown into chaos. You say, well, the world is thrown into chaos. It is not because it, it has not been thrown into chaos in this in this way. If, if God were to say, you know what, I am done taking care. I'm going to rest on this day. The whole entire, everything would be thrown out of out of whack. The world will be, will be thrown out of orbit. Gravity would cease. Everything would, would cease. Why? Because God would not be working. He would not be sitting there. Uh, he would not be taking care of his of the world. God did take a rest, but he, he seeks to still govern the world. And this is what the saying that can be said about Jesus. Why? Because, because Jesus is the one. And so the one that you, that people will sit there and have this attitude and this mindset that Jesus is not right, that he's not the son of God, that he's not, he is the one, this is what he is claiming to be, that he set the world into motion. Verse 18 has said that they sought to kill him more. I don't know how you can kill him more, but 
here's the thing that Jesus is not only making them mad over healing the man on the Sabbath, which you would wonder, why would they be mad about healing a man on the Sabbath? Well, because in their minds, they think that Jesus broke the law. But Jesus doesn't stop at the fact of healing a man on the Sabbath. He takes it to a new level by saying that he is the Messiah. He takes it to a, new, to a new level and pours more gasoline upon the fire. He doesn't try and coddle the people, he doesn't, but he actually sits there and destroys their preconceived ideas about who the true God is, about who the true Messiah is, and he continues to go on. This should be the same for us. This should be the same for us. If we offend someone by telling them the gospel truth, we should not shrink back at all. But we should take a stand because it is God's word, God's truth that we are standing upon. And you know what happens sometimes? The truth hurts. The truth hurts. Not that we sit there and we try to hurt somebody else, but we know that if we preach the gospel because the Bible says that it's going to be offensive to some. That's going to be offensive to, you know, to, to those around us. And so when we preach the gospel, what's going to end up happening? It's going to offend those around us. See, the Jews at this time, and they still think the same way, they supposed and assumed that they were right and that Jesus was wrong. But they were wrong. Verses 18, uh, sorry, verses 19 through 23, he continues to pour on. He continues to put more fuel onto the fire. He continues to keep on pushing their preconceived notions. Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Verily, verily, is now hear this. Listen. Make sure you're listening. Turn your ear to it. Don't miss this. This is the reason why he is saying this. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son of Man can do nothing of himself. But what he, what he sees the Father do, for what, uh, what things soever he does, these also does the Son likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows all, him all things that himself do, does. And he will show him greater works than these that ye may marvel. For as the Son rises up, raises up the dead, sorry, for as the Father raises up the, the dead and quickens them, even so the Son quickens whom he will. For the Father judges no man, but hath given, have committed all judgment unto his Son. Who is his Son? Jesus Christ. For those that say that, you know, you're not supposed to judge, he says right there that God has had given Jesus the right to judge. That all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honors not the, the Son honors not the Father, which has sent him. He continues to pour it on. He continues to talk about how he is the son of God, how he's, he's the one. Because the thing is, is that the Jewish people will look to, to Father God, but they look at Jesus as not being God. And so what he is saying is, is that if you honor the Father, you're going to honor me. And if you honor me, you're going to honor the Father. And the thing is, is that 
the the Jewish people at this time are sitting there going, what are you talking about? And they're getting mad and they want to get, what does it say? It says they want to kill him. They want to go, there, there were only five chapters, uh, chapters into the Gospel of John and they want to kill him. There are quite a few more chapters in the Gospel of John. Jesus is already making waves and he's making his claims. He's not shrinking back from anything. This is the reason why that the Jews are so mad is because Jesus is claiming to be the Son of God. Verse 24. 24 through 27 says this. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that hears my word and believes on him that sent me has everlasting life. And shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Who is the only one that can offer eternal life? God. That is who Jesus Christ is saying that he is. He is a God. He is God. The only God. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming and now, it, now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God. Who is he claiming to be? The Son of God. And they that hear shall live. For as the Father hath life in himself, so... So has he given to the Son to, uh, to have life in himself. And have given him authority to execute judgment also. Because he is the Son of Man. He is offering eternal life to the Jewish people at this time. He is, to them, they're being offensive. But the thing is, is what does Jesus do? He continues to offer eternal life. Even though that they're mad, they're... They're wanting to kill him at this point. He is still offering them eternal life. And what are they doing? Rejecting them. He's rejected them. They're rejecting Jesus. This is how, why it happens so... This is why it is in our society nowadays. We can offer eternal life. We offer Jesus. We say, come, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And what do they do? They reject it. They reject the Son of God. They reject Jesus Christ. They reject the only one that can save them. Not Buddha, not Confucius, not any other God, not any other way, but Jesus Christ. And they, they come and they say, no, I don't want him. And they reject him and they get mad and they want to kill who? You. They're going to want to kill you. Don't shrink back. Don't keep on thinking, oh, I'm sorry I offended you. I'm sorry I didn't mean that. Yes, you did. Why? Because it is the gospel truth. And if you die and you perish, what happens? You are with Jesus in his presence. Verses 28 and 29 says this. It says, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming, in the which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice. What is he talking about? The resurrection. The resurrection. Verse 29 says, And shall come forth that at they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. There are two resurrections that are going to take place. It says, They shall hear his voice. Whose voice? They're going to hear Jesus' voice. The resurrection of the dead. Those that are dead in Christ are going to hear the Son of God. Those that are, that are dead unto themselves and done their own thing, they're going to hear his voice as well. Jesus is still speaking about the Son of God, the Son of Man himself. He is talking about two resurrections that people will hear his voice. 
that the dead that are in the graves are going to hear his voice. There are two resurrections. One's for those who are true believers in Jesus Christ who love him. Why? Because they have kept his commandments. You have kept, they have kept his commandments. You say, whoa, 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 it's all about grace. I don't, you're talking about works-based. You're talking about that I got to do something. Oh, no, pastor, you, you can't talk about that. That's not right. We're all under grace. I can do whatever I want to do. It's all under grace because I just, I said a simple prayer. I love Jesus. You're missing the point on this whole thing. Because later on in the gospel, what does it say? In John's gospel, it says, John chapter 14, verse 15 says, If ye love me, keep my commandments. Keep my commandments. You say, wait, wait, that's still not right. That's Jesus talking. Here's a little further explanation in a chapter over. In John chapter 15, verse 10, it says this. If ye keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. Even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. How do we abide in His love? Love God and love your neighbor. Those are the two greatest commandments that He says. He says everything hinges upon those two. Everything in God's Word hinges upon love, your, uh, love God and love your neighbor. You say, well, I don't like my neighbors. My neighbors have been acting a fool this past week, going out there and causing problems. Love them and preach the gospel to them. How do I abide in this love? Love God and love your neighbor. You say, well, I can't. You just don't understand. I can't love my neighbor all the time. I can't love God all the time because people are just causing me. Nobody is causing you to do anything that you don't want to do. You say, I can't. That's a lie. Jesus would not have told you to do something if you could not do it. I've, I've shared this analogy before. It would be like you know, to me telling my daughter, hey, go over there and pick up that car over there. Go, go over there and pick up daddy's car. I know she can't do it. I would be telling her to do something that she cannot do. But you can love God with your whole heart, your whole mind, your whole being, everything about you, and love your neighbor. Do you have to like what they're doing? No. But you can love them and you can tell them the truth. If they're in sin... You tell them that they're innocent. Why? Because you love them. If you don't love them, then you don't correct them. Think about children. We correct them. We tell them what is good for them and what is not good for them. Why? Because we love them. And we tell them what God's word says. Most people nowadays want to kind of like take a, you know, a, a sharpie to their Bible and cross out all the things that they don't like. But the thing is, is that it's the gospel truth. We need to tell them what God's word says and not shy away from it or shrink back from it. We need to tell them this. Say, well, I can't love God every day. I can't, I can't do it because I have to sin every day. That's what... That's what so-and-so preacher told me I have to do, that I have to sin every single day of my life. That's a lie, too. Are you saying that it's easier for you to remain more faithful to your spouse than it is to God? 
You can love God with all of your mind, all of your strength, all of your, everything about you, you can love God. You can. You can love Jesus Christ with everything. It's not the fact, it's, it's, an, it's an excuse that we want to use. You don't have to sin every single day. You don't have to do it. Us saying it's okay for, for us to sin is, is like going to our spouse and saying, you know what? I'm sorry, I have to go cheat on you right now. It is the same thing. It is the same thing. When we sin, we are, we are cheating on God. We are saying, God, you know what? I got this. If Jesus told a man that was just healed, that we read about last week, to not sin, what do you think he meant? Don't sin. You think that Jesus was like, oh, here, I'm going to tell him to not sin, but you know what, secretly, he's going to. You guys need to read uh, 1 John chapter 2 where it says, if we sin. We have an advocate with the Father. If. It's not a matter. People say, well, no, it's a matter of when. No, the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says, if we sin. If. If we mess up, we go back to God. There's a chastening. There's a, a discipline. A, 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 a correction that God does to us. It's only when we continue to keep on going down that path that all of a sudden we're no longer trying to abide in his love. But we do not have to sin. It is our choice to sin. If we say we have to sin, we are saying that God messed us up when he created us. If we say that we have to, it's because you're saying that, you know what, I love my sin more than I love God, and I don't want to give it up. You say, well, pastor, you don't understand. How do I not sin? How do I do it? If you are a believer in Christ, it is by the power of the Holy Spirit that's supposed to be living in you. It is by the power of the Holy Spirit that is living in you. If you are a believer in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you that gives you the power to not do it. That same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you. If it can raise some, uh, Jesus Christ from the dead, it can, it can keep you from sinning. You just have to sit there and listen. Listen to God's ear. Listen as he's, as he's uh, speaking. You have to listen to his voice. You have to hear with your ears and say, God, I want to listen to you more than I want to hear the world. I want to listen to you more than I want to hear the world. How do I know this? Romans chapter 8 verses 1 through 4 says this. It says, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Who? Walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. What spirit? The same spirit that lives inside of you. If we continue to follow after God, then we're not following after the flesh, right? For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me, what? Free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. God sending his own son, Jesus, in the likeness of sinful flesh. 
for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteousness of the law may be fulfilled. In us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. What is he telling us? We can do it. If we continue to uh, have our focus and our gaze upon Jesus Christ, we can do it. We can do it. If we walk after the spirit and not after the flesh, we can walk the life that God has called us to, to live. Jesus Christ came to deliver you from sin and temptation. How? Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 says, Steady, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Sin only entangles you to where it's going to drag you down. It says that you are free in Christ. By the liberty that he's given us. How? Through the Holy Spirit. Christ wants us to be free. He doesn't want us to have that yoke of bondage that we once had. Galatians chapter 5 verse 16 says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and what? Ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. This is a commandment. This is something that you can do. We just need to listen to what God has for us. We don't want to listen to all the chaos and all the other stuff. As I said before, I'm, I'm kind of thankful right now that we're, we're at home. It's because we're able to sit there and maybe turn off the TV, not have to run all around and do all these things. I can sit there and read God's word and hear his voice. I don't have to hear all the chaos. I turn off the TV. If you want to have peace in your house, that's part of how you could do it. Turn off your TV and open God's word. And seek after him. Because I can, I'll tell you this. This is not the end of it. You say, oh yes, they're finding a vaccine. No, it's not. If you read God's word, what's going to happen? Things are going to get worse. You say, well, pastor, I don't want to hear that. But what does that mean if it gets worse? Jesus Christ is coming soon. I'm not prophesying and saying he's coming next week or anything else. But when things are getting worse, what does that mean? That means he's closer to coming. He's closer to his second coming. And we will be with him forever and ever and ever if we are in Christ Jesus. For some of us, we'll say, well, you know what? That's great and everything else, but I can't overcome tempt uh, temptation. Yes, you can. You can overcome temptation. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says this. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. You're going to be tempted. You're in this world. You will be tempted. It says, but God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able. You are able to say no to that temptation. Temptation, when we give into it, becomes sin. But temptation in and of itself is not a sin. We will be tempted. But whether we say yes or no determines whether or not we sin. If we say no to it, it's not sin. But if we say yes, I'm going to give into that, then we sin. Let me finish the rest of this. It says, Who will suffer you not to be tempted above which you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it? So no temptation is going to come to you that you're not going to be able to handle if you are walking in the Spirit. 
If you are saying, God, I, I'm listening to you, I'm hearing you. It's only when we say we want to listen to everything else that we get messed up. Living, a, living the life that God has called us to, a holy and righteous and pure and blameless life, is easy. It's honestly easy. The part is, is when we start taking our, uh, our gaze and our hearing away from Jesus. And this is what he's saying as far as the two resurrections. If you want to be a part of the resurrection of life, you're going to follow God. You're going to follow what his word says. You're going to abide in him. You're going to abide in that love. You're going to follow him. Don't lose heart. Don't follow what the world tells you to do. Don't do those things. Follow what Jesus does. This is the only truth that we have. It's his word. That's it. If you don't like it, I'm sorry. Then you're going to be a part of the resurrection of the damnation then. But this is gospel truth. This is the only way you're getting to heaven. This is the only, the only choice that we have. This is the only way that we can live for Jesus Christ. This is the only way is by following him, loving God, and loving our neighbors. That is the only good. That is the good that he's referring to. Not the ones that we, that we try to come up with our own definition to. We have way too many people nowadays coming up with their own definition of what is good and what is wrong. And you know what? The only truth, the only good is found in God's word, in the Holy Bible. That is it. Too many people, too many times, want to, you know, trying to expand upon that. But God's word is the only one, is the only, this is how you follow his word. Don't change it. Don't shrink back from it. If, you, if somebody gets offended, what did Jesus do? He poured it on even more. He even came out even more. He, even, you know, uh, he just kept on going he, and going. He didn't sit there and, and all of a sudden say, oh, I'm sorry I offended you. I'm going to go back into my cave and do back into my house with his tail between his legs. Jesus poured it on even more and said, you know what? I care about your soul more than I care about your feelings. He said, you know what, this is the truth and I'd rather you know, offend you and get you into heaven than to offend you and say, you know what, I, I, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, please, please, don't hurt me. Jesus knew that the truth was going to hurt people. He knew it. He wasn't trying to, but he knew that it was going to hurt people. He knew that people were going to take offense to it. And that's the, the mindset that we have to have when we're sharing the gospel, when we're sharing Jesus with people. It is going to offend people. But would you rather have somebody be offended as you're trying to save them from eternal damnation and hell where, where there's pain and suffering forever and ever and ever? Or keep your mouth shut and have them say, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me that if I didn't give my life to Jesus Christ, that I would be burning in, in, in hell? Why didn't you tell me? The Bible says that, that there are going to be two resurrections. That people are going to hear his voice, even those in the grave. Which one will you choose this day? Which one will you choose? Will you choose life in Jesus Christ or death with Satan? Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I pray right now that those that are, 
that are listening from their cars or listening on Facebook or, or YouTube or wherever they're listening. God, I pray that they would make that decision to follow you. Lord, I pray that when that final trump sounds, Lord, it wouldn't be a, a terror to us, but it would bring a joy because we know that we have lived our lives for you because you are worth it, Lord. You are worth it. God, help us to not become weary in well-doing. Help us to, to not become weary and, and shrink back and say, I'm sorry. But Lord, let us press forward towards you being our goal. You are our goal. You are our prize, Lord. Lord, may we take as many people with us as possible to you. God, I pray for those that are right now that are saying, you know what, I don't know if I were to die today, if I would be in heaven. Let me tell you, if you don't know, that means that you're not. But you can make that decision today to know that you are. And you must abide in him. And we must abide in you, Lord. That means staying in you, staying in your presence, staying in prayer, staying in worship, staying in you because we know in whom our hope and our trust is in, in whom our faith is in. Lord, we thank you. God, I pray that those that don't know you would come to know you, that they would say, God, Jesus Christ, save me from myself. I believe that you died upon that cross. I believe that you rose on the third day. And I believe that you have, you have come to save me and deliver me from my sins. I trust in you from here on, here on forward. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. God bless you. You are dismissive. You can honk your horns or flash your lights, whatever you want to do. I'm kind of getting used to it. All right, we have eggs ready. If you are wanting to, I need to go this way, sorry.